Hey everyone, before we get into this podcast, I just wanted to give a quick little disclaimer. Um, first of all, it was just me recording with Jeff today. Uh, Benji didn't have time to uh, jump on because um, he, has, he has a lot of projects going right now. Um, and also my microphone, for some reason, decided to switch onto my webcam, uh, meaning my quality throughout the recording is, is pretty shocking. Um, so yeah, that's just a quick little sorry on my part and sorry also now you're going to hear the contrast from this microphone to my webcam uh, but hopefully the content is still good and we'll, we'll get into it right now thank you for listening you're listening to of slights and men with benji and jacob A Daily Magician Production. Hello, and welcome back to Of Slight and Men. I stumbled a little bit over there because I always manage to get the uh, introduction of our podcast wrong. So this time I think I said it correctly. Uh, I'm excited to be with you. Uh, for me, it's a pretty warm day. In New Jersey, the sun is beating down. We've got the curtains closed, um, and I'm really excited to be joined by the one and only uh, Jeff Copeland. How how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here, Jacob. Yeah, we're excited to have you. I think we might uh, have you beat on heat. I am hunkered down in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Texas, but aren't they doing like power cuts or something? I heard that they're like cutting power to like because the power company can't handle all the AC. Is that true? It, it's possible that that did happen uh, during the freeze. We had this freeze and we had some uh, a lot of people got shut down because it was political. It got very political quick. I'll say that. I don't want to speak <laughs> up too much, but yeah, yeah it was. Um, it was yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, yeah. You, you definitely have us beat on heat then because I mean, to be fair, there was an Englishman for me. You know, if it goes over 80 degrees Fahrenheit, I'm like, oh, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> tough to do. <laughs> Our Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, because our, our heat index yesterday, and my family's uh, is English blood. Um, yeah. our heat index was 105 the other day, so it's up there. <laughs> yeah, not fun, not fun. Well, uh, I, I should give you an introduction before we get started. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, Jeff Copeland is, and I correct me if I'm wrong, you are the founder of the uh, of Copeland Coins, correct? Yes. I would assume seeing as your name's in it, uh, and I, if I got my research right, um, they produce amazing quality coins. It's actually a brand that I fell in love with. Uh, as soon as I started Magic, um, you have a really quality site. Everything you produce is beautiful, and obviously Jeff is a uh, was a professional magician um, and continues to produce products and to uh, push Coin Magic forwards. Uh, I've known Jeff uh, maybe two. It's gone past. I think it's been like three months or so, maybe two or three months. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's been a bit. It's actually been a little bit. Uh, Danny Goldsmith uh, connected us, and it's been a pleasure getting to know him. So. Today, we finally managed to pin you down for a podcast, so I'm, I'm excited to get into this one. Yeah, thank you. Me too. I'm excited to be here, and I thank uh, you guys for all the great work y'all are doing for Magic with the Daily Magician. It's, uh, it's a cool journey watching you guys grow. It's, it's really cool. It's fun. Well, fun. All right. So, it is the cliche question, but I am always interested. Um, if you could tell me, Jeff, how, how did you actually get into Magic? How did all of this start? Oh, gosh. Um, I was talking to, I think, Garrett Thomas, maybe the same way, or at least he was mentioning it. Uh, I had a Fisher-Price Magic Kit. Did you guys have Fisher-Price growing up? I don't think so. It's an American toy brand. 
I want to say it's out of out of near you somewhere in New England. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a magic kit and it was like uh, it was everything you would want and dream of in a magic kit. But it was made for little hands. It was made mm-hmm. for like indestructible materials like hard plastics and uh, functional gizmos and trap doors. You know, the classic egg vase and uh, color changing silks and sponge balls. It's a really well produced kit. I still have it mm-hmm. to this day. And um, it was my brother's. He didn't like it. He didn't play with it. And I got it as a hand me down toy. And that started my journey. Interesting. I feel like a lot of people sometimes like bash on magic kits, but it seems like so many professional magicians and like magicians I talk to just got into magic because of a magic kit. It's kind of crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're just like uh, for a kid that's vaguely even interested in magic, like just the perfect toy, they're the perfect gift. Um, I know, I think you guys um, help people get into them, right? I mean, it's it's a great item. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. Yeah. When it when it comes to Christmas, we're like, oh, I forgot that people buy these. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I actually continue from that. So uh, you start in magic, and I remember we we, we talked a little bit uh, first time we called um, about um, just kind of you mentioned it briefly. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I I remember a story of you traveling around the U.S. and performing. Uh, am I on the am I on the right vein there, or my is my memory? Uh, no, no, you've got me. Uh, I did that. I performed uh, all across coast to coast, the United States, and even got down to South America some. Uh, I was performing for a lot of nonprofits, for, for churches. I did some corporate work. Um, there was a time and season where uh, work was so rough for me, and I don't consider myself this. I think it's a beautiful thing if you are, but mm-hmm. I started doing birthday parties uh, just to continue performing. I, I would find the stage wherever I could. Um, I got my wife's job took us to Central America in Missouri, wow. and um, my work kind of dried up. And so I would find Missouri, anywhere, no anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. I like performing locally. I've always, I've always enjoyed that being a local performer and getting to know my community as much as possible. Um, but yeah, definitely there was there was a season for five or eight years. Uh, a couple times a month, I was going to another state or the other side of the state. Wow. I mean, I was, I was, I was busy enough. <laughs> yeah. You kept busy. <laughs> yeah. And so how, tell me about this nonprofit work because I'm actually really interested in that. Like, uh, what does that entail? Yeah. So uh, most people don't know about me, my background, I had my master's in theology and uh, I used mm-hmm. to travel around in churches and, and share um, God's love and magic, um, you know, there's that the whole thing of gospel magician. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I called myself that. Um, sometimes I did go in the moniker, like I would call myself an illusionist uh, because people in certain markets were not familiar with the term magic. And they might assume it meant dark things. Right. Uh, but seeing my show, that was quickly, it quickly clarified. When I was doing comedy and uh, you weren't quite good enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So hopefully it's like if I, yeah, if I'm really trying to present, uh, possess somebody or do these sorts of things. Why do I have a deck of cards? You know, shouldn't I have like some skulls and like some, yeah. I don't know, amulets and. It's funny yeah. when that thing comes up, right? Because I remember when, when Harry Potter came out and it became really popular. And in our local church community, there was like a really like random, like, oh, you shouldn't read Harry Potter. It's just like, it's like the word magic is like a buzzword sometimes, like you say, in, in church communities. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's like one of the greatest things to get people talking about spiritual conversation because 
that was the very thing, my understanding, and I, so somebody could listener could correct me on this, but C.S. Lewis, who is a, a famous uh, Christian author, um, he's the one who got Tolkien uh, interested, or was it Tolkien got uh, Lewis interested? It was the other way around, um, interested in the faith conversation by writing fantasy. And so uh, it's a, it's a it's a great way to acknowledge uh, spiritual things by getting people interested. And so I was I always thought Harry Potter was a cool way to to enter into conversation. I didn't find it any way. No, neither do I. I just I, it, like you said, it's just like. Uh, it's just magic that can sometimes be a buzzword, like you said. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. It's yeah, magic, playing cards can be a yeah. buzzword for people. I mean, yeah, that's true because it's around gambling, that sort of thing. Yeah, gambling yeah. addictions and stuff. And, you know. Yeah, interesting, man. That's cool. So, so would you just kind of like, how would that work? Was it for like one community or would you just kind of go around and like pitch, like, hey, I'd love to come do a magic show? Like, what does, what did that look like on a day to day basis? Yeah, for the longest time, um, I had a network. I was in Houston, and my wife uh, went to medical school in Missouri. And so we were out there five years. I knew how long I was going to be there, and it was a bit of a challenge. Like, how much do I invest in this? Do I find a regular job? Because, again, like I enjoyed performing local. Uh, so I hit the ground running. I, I did mail-outs. I went to conventions uh, where I could find people for work. I would go to the local shows in the community um i would set up booths i tried to do school assembly shows anywhere that i could find a convention that would bring audiences to me that i could you know promote and do sleight of hand and say this is who i am pass out information i would just find opportunities i find local meetups or whatever uh to try to to build my brand there in the state of missouri and to this day i i, I haven't checked recently but i was I would still come up on the, the top page, if not the number one in a Google search on magicians for the state of Missouri until recently. I don't know now. But I've been, yeah, <laughs> I've been gone like seven or eight years and I was still coming up on the top page. I still get phone calls. I, I, so apparently it, it paid off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the story with uh, Tolkien and, uh, oh my gosh, my mind is blank. What's his name? Uh, Lewis. Yes, Lewis is. I, I think another story is like they wrote. Um, they wrote like uh, they had a competition, right? When they wrote uh, Narnia, and mm. for who could write the best um, allegory. Um, really? Yeah, it's kind of cool. They wanted to make write the best Christian book, and turned out to be two of the best selling book series of all times. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I personally I'm, feel I'm reading, like I'm reading that to my kids right now. Actually, <laughs> oh, you are. Yeah, I, I personally feel like. C.S. Lewis took it. I love Lord of the Rings, but I feel like Narnia is just one of the best book series ever, and it's such a good allegory for just kind of allegory. How do you say? Yeah, it? Allegory those those things. books yeah. like make me cry. Like there is emotion, there's passion, um, there's story. There's the adventure. last one. Yeah, the last one every time just gets me. Yeah, yeah. and no like stories, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it just it just teaches my kids adventure and valuable how valuable they are as human beings. I just I love it. Yeah, when you when you're watching the movies and you're like, Aslan, I love you so much. You're like, wow, this is a good book. Like, it's making me love like this talking lion. <laughs> like, <so> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Well, away from literature, although <laughs> I'd love to talk about it more. Um, <laughs> um. So okay, so you you're a traveling magician. You're grinding. Seems like you're putting the hours in. Um, you kind of learn the hard way, I guess, how good and how hard magic can be. Yeah. Um, and um, I saw, I'm assuming this is where it starts because I read this on your website. Uh, you wanted to find the perfect copper coin to match the size and feel of a US Morgan silver dollar 
mm. and couldn't find it, you made it. Is that kind of where things started or is that just something I've read on the line? Well, that is where copencoins.com started. That's where the website with me manufacturing, going into my own business, creating my own brand. That's That was day one for that. Uh, it does have a little bit of a backstory and that involves Eric Jones. Mm. Um, I had been carried around the Traveler wallet, which was my first release. Uh, I've been carrying that in my pocket since I, I lived in uh, Mexico where I found a guy that made it for me. Uh, been carrying that for about, I want to say 12 years, just daily carry. Uh, most guys carry around a deck of cards. That would that would be me on some, any given day. But uh, I would carry around my coins in the Traveler wallet. And I created several routines over the course of 12 years. And uh, I was at the Magi Fest, great convention, um, coming up here again. I think they're opening yeah. up now, out of the pandemic. And around. yeah. Um, so Eric said, hey, uh, show this to my boss, uh, Jason. He was working for Murphy's at the time. And uh, I showed him the travel. I said, that's great. Like, we want to give you a contract. I was like, on the spot. I was like, man, you know, like this was me where I love performing magic, but I rarely would perform magic for a magician. Like I was, it just made me nervous. You know, I wasn't comfortable uh, performing for magicians. I just lay people because I'm afraid the magicians knew my secrets and therefore I can't show them. But I had made friends with Eric a couple years ago at a convention and, um, you know, he was working for Murphy's Magic at the time and, and set up that connection. And uh, thankfully that day I had had the boldness to really perform for for, for other magicians and mm -hmm. uh, it, it paid off. So they said, uh, we want that. So you got anything else? And at the same time I said, well, here's a prototype. I'm working on something called the Blackbird. And they loved that. They picked that up right there on the spot, gave me a contract and said, you got anything else? And I gave them a third idea, something I won't tip here today. Uh, and that contract fell through. Mm -hmm. um, but that is still something I want to bring to market at some point though. So that was that was the beginning of it. I got the contract for Blackbird and Traveler. Those became international bestsellers. Traveler has sold some 5,000 copies now, I want to say. Uh, I, we're just now, we're running the sixth run uh, at least. I, I'm not sure, I've lost count, but of uh, goes into production here soon. Uh, we're trying to get that produced. And yeah, they, um, they've been very well received. So that's the backstory. And then I had, from the contract with Murphy's, I had some units to sell. So I put those up on copelandcoins.com when I launched my copper coin called the tiger tan coin and its project when i launched that so that that first website memorial day 2017 had three products on it and those are it <laughs> here we are <laughs> yeah so where does it go from there um like you put these coins up you're selling the traveler's bag when are you when does this transition happen i'm interested like when is it like okay this is going to be a company or is that kind of still happening <laughs> Yeah, no, it, well, it's still kind of happening, honestly, this day. Uh, and I, I could break that down a little bit. So basically, um, my wife went to work and that's, uh, and then we had our first son and he's an incredible blessing. My, my mm -hmm. son has uh, special needs. And so that kind of, it kind of, the writing was on the wall. Like that was the end of my traveling days. Like I don't have the, the capabilities. I, I just have a lot of responsibilities at home. I don't have the capabilities to travel coast to coast anymore. Right. Uh, I still try to go to conventions. And by the way, to complete that story, I love performing for magicians now. Uh, if you ever want to pick my brain about that, I could I could totally um, share the differences when I, but I absolutely love performing for magicians as much as lay people these days. And um, so I, we go to conventions here and I, you know, pitch the products and get a booth. And, and many of you guys listening, maybe if you've met me, that's where you would have met me at the Copeland Coins booth. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of, it started out as this very part-time kind of gig. And it still is to this day. 
I, I don't, I don't have the resources, time resources to put in a 40 hour week on this. Um, if I do, then something else is really going to be hurting in my life. Somewhere else is really going to be suffering. But uh, yeah, it, it just started off as this is a way to sell this this item, this, this copper coin. And um, people enjoyed it. They appreciated it. Uh, the revenue came in with that. And I said, well, I might as well work on the next one or the next idea after that. And so it just kept growing and snowballing from there. And now uh, just to sum it up, I brought on Caleb and Rick Holcomb and Caleb's uh, my general manager now. Rick Holcomb is my chief editor. I've got a full-time ship. Uh, well, full-time is, is she works as well. Shipping manager ships everything for us. And then a couple other guys in the, um, coming and going as contractors. I interrupt this podcast to give a brief shout out to our website, thedailymagician.com. If you haven't already signed up for our daily emails that will give you great content just like this podcast, please head over there and sign up now. That's thedailymagician.com. We promise that we won't disappoint you. Awesome, man. It's, it's awesome to hear the journey. And it's kind of crazy that you... I mean, yeah, tell me about that. I'm interested because I think a lot of the time... Um, I don't know, I was listening to a talk yesterday about... Um, adversity um, and how resilience just like the quality of resilience and how resilience is pretty much just like a byproduct of adversity <laughs> that you can't really force it or mm. grow it other than through trial right mm, um, and so i'm interested like it sounds like it's been quite the journey and even now like it, it sounds like it's i mean it's, it's never easy to run a company um and so i'm just interested like where does this resilience come from? Like where, why, like, how do you know everything's going to work out? I mean, I'm sure obviously like religious beliefs are a big part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm just interested. Where, where does this resilience come from? That you have? Yeah. Um, I think my personality type for one, I don't know if you've studied Enneagram, uh, mm -hmm. but, but we're just, my personality type lands is I'm more of a, um, a reformer as is kind of the, the right the the guy that would typecast me that way i'd say that i'm a reformer i like if you look at everything on my brand it's it's solutions uh, like you said that that line i think kind of sums it up there on the website if you read the about page when i when i couldn't find the perfect copper coin i made it and uh that's kind of what everything is uh blackbird was a solution because i didn't like at the time to use gaff coins i preferred organic pure sleight of hand but I needed a way to, to hold out the coins to get them into play. And so I didn't want to use a gimmick coin. I wanted regular coins. So I created Blackbird as this third palm, if you will, third and fourth palm to hold these coins and hide them out so I could use regular coins in play. And so it's just, it's just solutions. I like to see what's out there and say, how can we make it better? Or, man, that's a great idea. Those slights are amazing. That routine was awesome. Like, you know, it's just some of the old classic stuff. But how can I tweak it just a little bit and make it, um, I hate to use the word commercial, but more accessible yeah. um, that can make it where it's got an easier reset, it's more practical, and at the same time, uh, it's more visible. Like I want a bigger maximum impact. And that's like the, the main motto of the brand is make beautiful magic. Yeah, I love that. And I'm interested, your quality is super high honestly like like i said i when we first got into magic <laughs> one of the main things that people well in business do is look at their competitors <laughs> yeah. and so i looked at your site um <laughs> and i have to say i really like it really did like blow me away i was like, like this brand is like 
I want us. Like, I want our stuff to feel like this. And wow. it, it doesn't feel quite like that. <laughs> but um, I loved, like, the quality of everything that you did. Um, just, just, I don't know, not bashing on Penguin, but their site never works. It looks like it was made by a 12-year-old. And, it, I mean, <laughs> it, it seems like it works. But, like, I, when I went on Copeland Coins, like, I was just like, oh, this was... It kind of feels like your coins do. It just feels like quality, right? So wow. I'm interested, like, where where did that come from? And, like, how do you continue to maintain that? Because it's a hard thing to maintain growth while maintaining yeah. quality. Yeah, actually, that's uh, – I don't know if that's one of my secrets or not, but I don't mind tipping it here. Um, one, I'll say for Penguin, it works. And I don't really consider myself – I mean, we're obviously, we're in competition. But our products and the stuff we're doing yeah, and the so direction we're going yeah. is um, there, there's space enough for all of us at the table and uh, a, a welcome welcome the competition or however it's viewed with Penguin. I've got some good friends over there. Um, most every company because we're we're really trying to go a different direction where we're not in competition. You know, it's like if you want good quality mm -hmm. coin magic, then you come to us and uh, we're going to have something that's good quality, different. It's going to have that solution vibe to it, that reformation vibe right. to it. Um, but you know, I just speak on for penguin. This is interesting. I have tried to break this down, Jacob. Uh, <laughs> why does penguins website look the way it does? Right. And, uh, I don't know, maybe they don't want me sharing, but, but what penguin has effectively done in my mind is, uh, they have created the brick and mortar magic shop online. <laughs> do you, do you remember yeah. as a kid, like walking yeah, yeah, yeah. to the mortar magic shop? Like, You're right. It does feel like that. You walk <laughs> in. And there's all this old crap that you never would buy and it's up on the walls and there's these glass cases filled with coins and random gizmos and and there's you know the old dvd vhs collection over there collecting dust and there's these books and that's penguin magic it's like the digital version of that <laughs> whether intentionally or, or unintentionally yeah yeah it's like <laughs> if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah that's what I, mean. I mean it works like perfectly well like I, yeah. I i'm not bashing like i mean penguin's a hugely successful company it's just yeah, interesting, absolutely. you know? <laughs> yeah. No, they're doing cool. something right for sure. So I, that's what I just feel like they, they've created nostalgia. Yeah, and, uh, but yeah, my website to speak on that, because that's more what I know is uh, I, I didn't want to make a, another magic website. It was simple enough. Um, you know, I wanted, uh, uh, I've always thought with every, every website, and I hope to continue to, um, to expand on this as well, but I've hoped that every website felt more like a living room it felt like um, the kind of, you know, theater setting, a close-up intimate magic where it's just, you know, I can come and chill and relax and I can read hopefully some good product literature, good ag copy, and uh, that it would be engaging, entertaining, that, you know, the, you know, we're working on this every day and I, we obviously haven't nailed it all, but, you know, the videos you watch will be entertaining, uh, that they'll be, you know, the highest quality. And so I just um same thing like i said my, my wife's a doctor and I, I did her website and i i paid some people in the past to do it and this that and the other and just like every time they just didn't get it i was like i don't want another hospital website for her website like right. what patient wants to go to a hospital why do they want to go to a hospital website <laughs> yeah. and so let's just make a place where people can come and chill and get some information and find some character about who she is and what she does and so hopefully the same thing when you come in uh, if you read, I've got contributing artists and it's, it's at the bottom of the page. That's where it seems to flow to me. But I've got a letter uh, written every single time about who this artist is and why I love them and why they're my friend. And um, if you make it there, you just kind of get a vibe. Okay, this person's a human, like they're a human being. They're just, they're creative, they're a magician. 
and uh, I want to support them. And that's that's part of what it is for me is, I mean, coin magic is not, I mean, I, I tell, tell my friends all the time, like it, we have 0. 0.000000000 something 0.1% of the global economy, coin magic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so if you want to join our brand, uh, a part of it is I hope that you want to support these artists. You know, you want to support guys that are creating stuff and we're, we're legitimately trying to advance coin magic, which is not an easy thing to do. I briefly pause this podcast to give a shout out to the Daily Magician Tapes Collection. This is a growing collection of exclusive audio training and interviews with some of the world's best, including the magician that you're listening to right now. If you'd like to find out more about the Daily Magician Tapes, head over to thedailymagician.com slash tapes. That's thedailymagician.com slash tapes. We'll see you there. Yeah, I think... It's interesting. Uh, I don't know if you've ever studied any of Jay Abraham's work, but he's a really prominent uh, marketer. Yeah, you've um, mentioned him before. Yeah, probably did. I'm a bit obsessed. Um, but <laughs> um, <laughs> the one of the things he says is um, he describes this uh, theory of preeminence, um, where uh, essentially you carve out a whole section of the market for yourself because you're the mm. only authority people can go to. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting, like what you're saying, right? It's like, again, yeah, it would be a scarcity mindset to think, well, like Penguin's going to drive me out of business. Well, no, like, because you're the only people doing what you do, right? Yeah. And so you have that, you come from that place of, of preeminence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a similar thing that we tried to do when setting up the Daily Magician is, well, we're not going to be vanishing. We're not going to be Copeland. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to be illusionist. We're going to be helping magicians think differently. Um, yeah. And so we're going to carve out our own part of the market um, in, in the preemptive way where if people want what you have, you are the only place they can go because you're the only people that own that part of the market, right? And I, I kind of see that uh, in Copeland. It's like, where else would you go? Like, <laughs> like there's, there's there's no other place you can go to get the Tiger Time coin, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it, I really like that about, about your branding. Thanks, man. I think the same thing with you guys. I mean, you obviously, you came in from day one uh, I stumbled into it, <laughs> but you guys are really smart. <laughs> day one, uh, creating creating something that's special, creating this podcast, creating a daily message, and and just like reaching people in a, in a novel, brand new way. So so kudos to to you guys. Appreciate that. So tell me about Coin Magic. Where you talked about its future and trying to help it move forward. What where do you see it going, and what would you like to contribute to, to Coin Magic's history? Hmm. Oh man. Wow. Wow. If I get to con- contribute anything, um, I hope, I hope that, um, it's, it's, it, it kind of comes back to that motto of, um, making beautiful magic. And I, I really hope that, um, we, if anything, we impact all of magic. And so Caleb and I talk a lot about this and, uh, coins are, coins are foundational to magic. Coins are um, foundational to sleight of hand. They're ancient. I mean, money, ancient, like people trading gems or small objects of metal of value go back, you know, millennia. <laughs> I should know the answer to that as a, as a person who self has manufactured coins, how, how many years, how, how deep the history is. But I mean, you know, you can look in China and because uh, I have been researching some, some of those for future products, the Chinese coins, and, and they, they go back, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Um, it's 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 just something ingrained. I mean, even the size of it is made to be held in our hands and the weight 
the the feel and the luster and the way it captures it just captures the light or shadows or just the things you can do with it uh, at your very fingertips and how it represents value and it captivates the spectator's attention because who doesn't want to look at money you know and and right. who can't relate to money appearing and vanishing and how how easy it is to lose and where you find it and you know all these very subconscious things that are in coin magic and so um i hope uh, that as sleight of hand advances and stuff that that our legacy that will be that uh at least one of the legacies and the one that i can name right now will be that um people create more beautiful magic uh, and, and it, it's it's and and i say that our, our our slogan is not make beautiful coin magic it's 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 make beautiful magic uh, because I, I believe that coin magic is so foundational. And I think that if you can get that right from the very beginning, these concepts of slowing down, of simplicity, of making sure your props are seen. I mean, how many times has somebody done like an excellent, amazing, beautiful spellbound routine and somebody couldn't see because they didn't angle their body just, just you know, a, a 10 degrees more towards the light source so that the coin picked up the light and they could see it go from silver to copper and you know actually get the magic moment. And so we're just, I hope that's the legacy that we will challenge people to, to, to do, to do better, to, to make beautiful magic, magic that's uplifting, uh, doing the job of the magician, which our art form is to restore wonder and to a planet that has lost much of it. You know, we go back to, again, that's yeah. why C.S. Lewis is so amazing. You know, those, that kind of literature and that fantasy is it, it, it captivates your mind. And so just storytelling, just getting, just, just making beautiful artwork. And just realizing the value of how how uh, precious and how amazing sleight of hand is. I mean, just what magic can do that no other art form can do. So yeah, I hope that kind of sums it up. That's that's probably the top thing, <laughs> at least right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. Uh, There's an interesting um, story that I was told. I, I can't remember for me, like me, the magician. I think it was Jean Fugard, but I don't know. So. Basically, there's a story of a magician. I think it actually comes from, I heard it first in Buddhism, um, of a magician who goes to a group of Inuits and uh, he performs this trick, right? And it's basically like this, I think it's like a floating ball trick and he does some card tricks and he notices like the whole time that like they don't seem very entertained. <laughs> like, mm. They're not really reacting like an audience did. And he, he was so yeah. excited because he wanted to be the first one to bring magic to the Inuits. You know, they've never seen it. They never interacted with it. And he wanted okay. to bring that art form to art form to them. And so at the end, uh, he talks to the, the kind of tribal chief, uh, and he asks him, you know, like, what, like, what happened? Like, did you like it? Like, were you impressed? <laughs> uh, -huh. and like the tribal chief is like, well, you know, there's an amazing, like, like floating ball of light that comes up every morning and he's like <laughs> and in the winter you like the plants disappear but in the spring they come back you know uh, and he says like i understand why like you westerners need magic because you've forgotten that it's all around you mm. and i think it's an interesting story so that was, I dropped my that wasn't me yeah that was me uh <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> story um because it highlights like what you said you know that um bringing wonder in its purest form really is something that is needed and it helps people have this gap where for a second they're like well if that's possible you know what, what else could be possible yeah and, yeah 
Yeah. So, yeah go ahead. I, I was going to say, I, I've thought a lot about that and where it disappears and why that happens and everything. And I, I, I'll share one little antidote on that. Um, uh, one of the reasons magic disappears is children's magicians. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> this, this sounds very blaming, but uh, that's uh, because I know, uh, because I, as I mentioned, I did birthday parties and school assemblies and various things. The, the children's magician's job is basically to empower children, like modern children's magic. Uh, as it goes back, um, I want to say even uh, David Kay has some really good resources on this, uh, but it goes back to ideas like modern children's magic is a lot of effects where it's like uh, magician looks but doesn't see, you know, and the kids are screaming, it's it's on your back, right? You know, like the, something disappears, the magician turns around looking for it, it's on his back, and the kid's like, it's on his back. You know, it teaches the kids to empowers them. It teaches them that um, they they can be in control. And that's the first time. That's what's so great about a kid's magic show is because for the first time, the adult is a silly one and the kids in the audience, they're in control of the situation. Right. Like are they're empowered because the magician is doing these goofy things. And then the kid usually is the hero, right? He's usually the one or she's usually the one that's up on stage yeah. and weighs the magic wand and makes the rabbit reappear or, or whatever, right? Or, or if the kids scream loud enough, then the magic happens because of their magic words. And so I, I think subtly through that, we're kind of teaching kids, and this is interesting, this might be a point, that magic is, is fake, right? It's not real. And so as we're yeah. teaching them into adulthood, they're becoming more powerful and they start realizing, well, the magician's just a goofball. It's not really real. And then vice versa, some decade later, we've got the challenge of adult magicians of reverting their mindset and <laughs> restoring that wonder back that we yeah. empowered and took away from them as we're, you know, adults, you know, Anyway, I think it's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. It's like a hard stigma that comes with magic a lot of the time is because, like you said, a lot of people have either seen a kid's magician mm -hmm. or have just seen their uncle perform a crappy magic trick at every family gathering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to – oh, it's an art, isn't it, to actually yeah. bring them back into that place of wonder where you want them to be. Yeah. And, and that's the thing like to remember is like exactly that. That's why, in my opinion, uh, a lot of people don't like magic as adults because maybe that was their experience as a kid. And then sometimes there was, and still, I'm sure it still exists. There's that magician that'll bring a kid up on stage and insult him, you know, and maybe make his friends laugh at him. And that's, that's a form of bullying. Right. Um, that may still exist to this day, but yeah, kids will remember, like I saw that as a kid. Uh, you know, and it really, it was more about laughing, entertaining than magic. And so then as an adult, they're like, well, I don't really like magic, you know, or that wasn't really for me. And that was, you know, foundation mm -hmm. for them, foundational for them. And then, so it, you have a, a little bit of a barrier or a stereotype to overcome as a, as an adult to get them to watch or be interested in what you're doing. And so there's, that's a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole training course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, so. Yeah, along that vein, uh, so you, you get a degree in theology, uh -huh. um, and then you move into magic. I'm interested, like, why magic? What was it that kind of, what pulled you in? Yeah, so um, theology, when I was studying theology, it, it was actually a, kind of one of the darker times of my life. I wouldn't say maybe the darkest, but um, I was away from home. I was away from all my friends. Uh, the, the family, the institution I knew, and I was in a little bit more of a fundamentalist setting than I was used to. And um, and magic was just an escape to get back into it. It was uh, it was a hobby that brought me joy. 
Uh, and that's part of the coin stuff is uh, the coins were very meditative to, to practice them, knuckle busting side of hand. I just kind of gravitated in that as, as a way to meditate, as a way to, to so nice. you know, focus. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, now I look back on that time in my life. Now I see how beautiful it was uh, in this brokenness and everything. But it was uh, just uh, I was away from a lot of things I knew and I, I got stretched in different ways. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of escape. It's, uh, it's, it's cool to see the journey back then and, and to see uh, even, even in that dark time for me, which it shouldn't have necessarily been a dark time. It just was, it just became very academic and uh, it felt more mm -hmm. academic than spiritual. And it was not what I was expecting. And that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of a culture shock. You know, when you expect something to be one way and you have that expectation because it's familiar and then it's just a little bit different. That's, that's hard. That's the hardest times for me. Like uh, I'm, I shared, I, I you know I lived in Mexico for a year of my life. That was easy. I expected to be different. It was different. Uh, but moving to another state and another school and different train of thought that was very similar to what I had known in life and was just a little bit different. That was hard. That was hard to comprehend. And um, and that's kind of some sometimes it's that way of magic too. I think you know when you're getting into different art forms and card magic versus coin magic and stuff and why people say, well, you know, really don't. Uh, I don't like this because it's, you know, maybe it's similar, but just not quite the same. And, and they're, they're missing some of it. But but to look back on it, it was, um, uh, yeah, I, even through that part of my journey, like I, I see how how my life was moved and shaped and how I believe God was present. And um, it was it was it's been a cool journey. So but yeah, coin magic came out of that mostly. It's interesting. It's kind of like recently my cousin. Uh, well, my co-founder went had like a similar thing because he he's going on like a volunteer mission right now to Macedonia. Okay, yeah. Uh, and before that, he had like a nine-week just kind of uh, seminary type training of just like the hard like kind of theology and like that sort of thing. And we were, it's interesting because we were talking about it and we were kind of discussing like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'm not sure if you're mm. familiar with that. Um, I am familiar with it. Very familiar. Yeah, but it, it's I'm sure you like theology. That makes sense um it's interesting because like when all you have to think about is theology <laughs> and like you're asking yourselves those questions and it's like become so academic uh it is quite challenging you know it, and it's it's also like um especially from a religious perspective at least for myself like i find it interesting because it's like the i can't remember exactly what that, but it's like the four stages of faith and you kind of like dip between them mm. uh, and when you're studying theology it's almost like yeah it's just, it's just a at least myself i found that like when i you can work through it but uh, it sometimes it isn't quite i don't know you go in with expectations that sometimes aren't fulfilled and that yeah. can be hard so well, anytime yeah, you 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 try to put anything in a box and particularly a concept as big as god like into right. a box and try to define it academically yeah. you're gonna fail <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I mean, that's kind of what they were trying to do the entire start of um, yeah. Christendom, which uh, didn't go very well, <laughs> as, as, uh, because as soon as you define God as being one thing or another, it, yeah, it's a yeah. problem. Yeah, I, think, I think if you read the Bible, you'll find over and over again that that's, that's the point. <laughs> you can try to define it, figure it all out, but it's a mystery. Yeah. On that note, I was going to bring this up towards the end, but it's interesting, uh, if you're comfortable talking about this. Um, I, I saw it in the thing that you kind of like quoted like Psalms 91 um, and 
uh, I read over in it, so it's a beautiful passage of scripture. And I was just kind of interested, like, what meaning that has for you, because obviously if you put it on your site, I'm sure it must have. I'm just interested, like, if you're okay to talk about that, like, yeah. what meaning that scripture has for you. Yeah, I think um, it was a it was a psalm that I read at the time. I was it was near to when I was you know writing that page, and so I felt like it was just um, I just felt like it was something that that could meet anybody where they're at. Um, you know, if if they're coming here, or I, I think a, a lot of guys know that uh if you meet me or if you hang out with me even you know we're just hanging out here on the podcast you don't have to be too long around me that you'll know that i've got a christian background and mm-hmm. faith uh spiritual faith and um yeah I, I just feel like it's a really calming welcoming inviting for anyone mm-hmm. and uh I, I you know i shared one dark time in my life uh, a couple years ago um went through a really tar- dark time uh in my life in my journey and that's where uh, that's where i became familiar with maslow's hierarchy needs and uh interesting read a really cool book uh that could check your ear off on that book alone but it talked about inverting that pyramid and that that revolutionized my revolutionized my 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 view of life in many ways um that maslow maslow's pyramid is actually should be inverted um the idea that he put physical needs at the very bottom and that's what we kind of teach, but in re- and then at the very top is self actualization. Uh, but in reality, if we started there with ac- seeing who we are, if our parents spent the time with their kids, or if my parents spent the time with me, and I love my parents, I'm not trying to knock them here, but if, if our parents spent the time of helping their kids realize who they are as human beings, who their their physical body is, who their spiritual body is, their mind, their soul. And, and, and develop that first, like they do in those cultures, which you mentioned where the sun rising is a spiritual event, is a magical right. event. Like they have self-actualization first. They realize the world around them. That's third world countries to this day, if they still exist, they probably got a cell phone tower in their backyard now. But that is self-actualization that you're here on this planet and you have a purpose and the grass below your feet has a crisp feel to it in the morning and it might be wet with dew and and feeling the sun on your cheeks when you walk down the street like that is self-actualization if you you start your life there with the beauty of that then you work your way up to figure out what you really need and and needs is the is the is the is the top of the pyramid uh, the the wants the desires and stuff like that but uh, oftentimes in the west we have that completely backwards because well that's what we were taught is these are the hierarchy of needs and and that's theory and stuff and we could discuss there and, and you're welcome to disagree um, but basically that's Psalms 91 is, is just felt like a, a good starting point to say that, uh, that God is, is a refuge and, um, it just, it just, it just felt peaceful to put that on there. That's why. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. More my point with the hierarchy of needs is when everything else is taken care of, or at least you're studying so highly on self-actualization and it's all that you think about that, that can also be hard i guess you know what okay, I mean? like, yeah. like when it when it's just theology when you're just trying to either put god into a box or yourself into a box that can be hard my question is an interesting thing but we could talk about for hours i'm sure because it's yeah philosophy yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i wanted to ask you so along that vein i also come from a christian background um and one of the things that you run into a lot is the link between um kind of I don't want to say atheism, but 
there's a lot of people and obviously again to everyone listening this is no I, I don't care but I just find it interesting um uh, obviously people can believe what, what they want to believe yeah um but um I'm interested like how do you in being quite a skeptic driven community mm. how do you bring your own view of the world to that yeah um I, I tell you what first off i haven't always gotten it right um and i i'm still learning um but uh the main thing that, uh, that i'll tell you that that i've been working on that i've been felt spirit led mm-hmm. to work on the last couple of years is um uh validation empathy and compassion and um I think there was too long of my life. And I think that, that, uh, gosh, man, it's like if for anyone that thinks that they have all their answers, right. Uh, whether it's in faith or science or or whatever, like it, there, there, there tends to be, um, a natural response of, of some sort of ego. Right. And, um, and so, what I'm working on with everybody inside and outside of magic, it doesn't matter. It's just, it, and this is again from great mentorship, helping me get here is if I can just put myself in your shoes and see why you make the decisions you make. And then hopefully uh, through kindness um, shared with you, you could put yourself in my shoes and see why I made the decisions I make. You know um, we're all, there's reasons behind these decisions. And so just, um, no matter who I relate to or whatever is going on, I'm just working daily. And I, and I say working, I, it's, it's, it is a progress it is a process um, to just have validation for people where they're at validation for their, their progress and magic. Like I, I don't, um, I, I, again, I'm not, not the world's greatest side of hand artist by any means. <laughs> I just, I went through a series, a season, like I shared about earlier, that was dark. And for eight hours a day, I would practice coin magic for, for several years um, and you know, if you hit that 10,000 hour mark on something, you, you become proficient at it in some respect, you know? And so it just, it, it affected how I think and it affects how my hands to this day, I was sharing a lecture the other day. I was talking to them about what my hands do. I looked down and luckily that had it on camera already. It was a zoom lecture with several different camera angles. I mean, my hand was naturally in this position that a normal person's hand wouldn't be in, but it's just because I had held a coin and finger palm in that position so long, like that's where my hands naturally rest, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I may stop doing it like when I grab objects, I'll just like finger palm it or plastic palm it. I'm like, what? Why am I, am I doing this? Like, of my phone. <laughs> <I'm> like, <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, right? And so that's just the kind of stuff we do as magicians. But lay people, I mean, they don't they don't think about these things every day. They don't do these sort of things. And, and then a lot of people in the magic community don't necessarily think or, or do these sort of things. You know, they are just happy to get to listen to a podcast and hear something new or you know, get, uh, get a lesson or a new video and, and study it, or, you know, just watch it for entertainment sake, maybe not even plan on performing it. Maybe they just want to watch it. And, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Right. So that person gets met where they're at. If you post something on YouTube and you're, you're, you flash, or, um, it's, you know, what would be considered by many people, bad magic. Like, uh, I, I will, and, and some of the groups, they, they ask for responses and I will tell them, I like this and this is what you need to improve on. Uh, but I get it. you, you just found one of my videos or you just found somebody else's video. You just got into coin magic. You know, you're brand new. Like, so meeting people where they're at and just validating that they're on the same journey as you. Uh, I just might be a a little bit further along on the path I've taken, but you can probably teach me something else about the the path you've taken. 
and uh, we can meet somewhere and and through that um, it, it's going to be beautiful and 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 that's where that's where beauty comes from right sometimes is is meeting our pieces together where they're at where we're at and that's where communication comes from and that is uh, <laughs> that that's the solution to peace on earth right is is <laughs> Seeing people and where they're at, accepting the to the meaning of life, everyone, and we can <laughs> end the podcast right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that's it. As I mean, I, I you know, I, I have to realize that some people want to purchase my products just for the entertainment to watch me do it and listen to me teach, and so everything I put out has that in mind that I, I'm going to meet you where you're at. And if you just want to watch and learn and you just enjoy learning secrets, you don't want to perform that that's a valid thing. And I will validate that. Um, you know, years ago, I might've said, well, if, if you're not performing, then why do you call yourself a magician? You know? And it's like, no, it's like, that's, that's where you're at in your journey. And if you never get to this exact spot where I'm at, um, that's okay. If you surpass me, um, by, you know, a thousand miles, that's even better, you know, or that's okay too. I shouldn't say that's better. I said, that's okay too. It's like just wherever you're at and, and to validate that and accept people and show them love and grace. If, if, um, if they're not in the same thinking, uh, that you're in. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. I think it's an important thing. Like I was, I was on a retreat, um, a few weeks ago now, maybe a month ago. Um, and I was discussing like a similar thing, um, talking about like opposition and things and something that we were talking about um it's like just releasing the need to feel like you have to defend yourself you know Mm -hmm. yeah like where you feel like you need like your position has to be defended you have to defend and you have to be right yeah you know and releasing that need of having to be right Mm -hmm. (laughs) is really freeing not only to the person you're talking to because you can identify with them more closely Yeah. Maybe it can be frustrating for them because maybe they're like, well, what do you think? And you're like, well, I, I don't really care. You know what I mean? It's like, as far as like, I don't feel the need to defend like whatever, whatever it might be, you know, it's just, of course you can still stand up for what's right and you should, yes. but you don't need to, you don't need to tell someone they're wrong. You don't need to force yeah. somebody into a way of thinking. Nobody does. Right? Yeah. And what, what does that, what does that accomplish really? I, and, and you can't. You can't, you can't force anyone to think or be anything that they're not. Right. Exactly. I mean, what is the one thing you can control? You know, it's it's yourself. You can control yourself and and you should, uh, if you want to be a decent human being, if you want to advance your magic, if you want to advance your career, advance your family, advance your anything, like Mm -hmm. focus on self-control, focus on yourself first. You know, that's, that's straight out of the Bible, you know, take care of the, the plank in your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Right. And, and I think even with that as well, I would say, um, self-control, I, I just finished the book Atomic Habits, um, mm. and within that, he talks about how self-control only takes you so far. <laughs> so set up processes that make oh. it easy to be self-controlled. Yeah. So, you know, because at some point, let's say for instance, you have an addiction, you're always, that part of your brain is always it's always going to be triggered that way. You've created that path in your mind, right? And so, yeah. so for instance, you have, you're an alcoholic. If you walk into a bar and you smell liquor, you're going to always want to drink. But if yeah. you set up a process whereby you never have to walk into a bar, then it's most likely that you won't ever drink again, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's the whole point of yeah. 12-step programs. 
This yeah, is exactly that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the whole thing of the 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I did have some more questions about like kind of hardcore <laughs> magic stuff, but I, I, I think I'm very happy with where this has gone. <laughs> and I almost don't want to dilute what we've been speaking about by, by going into that. Um, <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming and, 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 and putting the time in for the, for this podcast, Jeff. It's, it's been a real pleasure. It went places that I, I didn't expect it to go, but uh, 50 minutes has gone past, really wow. fast. So I, I definitely enjoyed myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is so much fun. Yeah, it's really good. And I appreciate you being so candid um, and, and being willing to share all the stuff that you did because I, I really, I hope that people have benefited from it. Um, oh, I too. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I guess on, on that note, please shout out your stuff. I know that you're releasing a product right now the copper silver yeah we got a brand new copper silver and i would love to chat up here but we are out of time check it out it's on copelandcoins.com again solutions uh uh, create a solution to make it more deceptive than ever it's a 500 year old gimmick maybe the oldest Mm -hmm. written gimmick written about gimmick and coin magic and we we gave it a facelift i'm very pleased with it very much so Yeah. yeah And so, Copeland stuff's always really good, so please head over there. Go go to Copeland, go to Copeland Coins. You can just Google it. Um, I'll also put a link in the podcast description. So if you really want to hear more from Jeff, uh, please do that. And also, they know that they have a mailing list as well. We uh, do. If you go onto the site and scroll down. You can sign up. You also get a pop up, I'm sure. Yeah, get the pop up because it'll give you a free routine right now. Uh, jump mm-hmm. on there. The pop up will show up in the first ten seconds or so. And just put your email address in there and you'll get a uh, get a free routine you'll see how we teach and yeah. i think you'll enjoy it and i'm sure I'll, I'll probably send out an email pushing towards that if you have the link for that as well jeff so I'm yeah i'm sure that people would have had a chance to see that cool um so yeah well i, I really appreciate your time um and if people want to get in contact with you specifically how, how should they do that you can email me um uh, at jeff at copelandcoins.com or uh there might be a catch-all team at copelandcoins.com that we might be shifting to, but, but Jeff will work fine. He'll get to me eventually. Um, that's the best way. Email. Don't contact me through social media. Um, I'm just too busy for it. I'm, I'm there in and out, but email is the best way. So yeah, Jacob, thank you so much for having me. I, it's been a thank blast, you. man. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Um, we'll, we'll jump into the exclusive segment for those of you that have the tapes now and for those of you that are in the circle. But for everyone else, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, and yeah, see you for the next podcast and maybe we'll have you on again Jeff because it seems like we have a lot to talk about dude I would love to be here this is great (laughs) okay cool thank you